Hello and welcome to the Modern Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Mick Ryan. Thank you for joining me. As always, the Modern Wellness Podcast aims to be of service to your mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. And my goal is to get guests on the show, experts in the field of well-being who can really help facilitate that. As for today, we have Angela Ha, who is a physiotherapist who works at Kieser in Essendon. And Kieser is a very, very special kind of rehab gym. And so we're going to talk all things Kieser and physiotherapy with Angela today and talk about the importance of strength training for well-being, whether you're young or old, how important it is to do strength training on a regular basis to maintain our physical fitness, which has a big, strong effect on our mental and emotional well-being as well. So I hope you enjoy today's guest and you'll hear from me at the end of the show. So, Angela, welcome to the More Than Wellness podcast. Thank you for appearing on the show. No, thanks, Mix. Um, thank you for having me on. Um, awesome. You need yeah, you're very welcome. And great to have you. So, I guess the first thing to do is, is just get you to introduce yourself and tell people who you are. Great. Um, so, my name is Angela. I've been a physio for five, coming up to six years already. Um I guess one of the reasons why I became a physio and decided to enter the healthcare industry is because I'm so passionate, like extremely passionate about changing people's lives for the better. Um, It sounds so typical, I know, but um, being able to create sustainable changes for people to, I guess, feel physically fit, but then more importantly, be able in the long run is something that hits close to home. So what, what was it that you would say brought you to choose physiotherapy over, over other modalities? Yeah, so I really believe in a conservative approach. Uh, I'm not really the type of person who cares too much about um, quick fixes or, you know, although some of them can be appropriate for some, like surgery or injections, it can be appropriate, medication, etc. cetera. Um, but I just i am a firm believer that if you make the right choices, you can still achieve anything and know that you're capable of doing it. I guess with strength training, it's something that I've become really passionate about for my own self. It's something that I've firsthand seen with my family as well. I've had um, really close friends and family who have, I guess, in their later years really struggled physically. Um, they've come to a point where they've fallen or um, needed to have surgery um, but at the same time, I just wish that I was there to prevent them from going down a path that, I guess, created a lot more disability. Okay. A bit more reliance and a bit more burden on the family as well. So um, it is something that hits close to home just because I think there's so much you can do before, before, like, before that happens. So tell me, what, what's your definition of a conservative approach? Um, and, and what's the, the the difference between other approaches? Well, I think, again, again, there's no right and wrong answer with conservative or not. But for me, I just think that if you have the power to exercise and do things a lot more naturally, why would you not do that? You know, why would you opt for you know, um, medication ongoingly rather than empower yourself through exercise and through strength training to actually achieve that all yourself. Um, for me, I just feel like something liberating and something so powerful about that. Okay. So would you say the conservative approach then is more based on exercise and well-being rather than looking for medication or surgical intervention? In a way, yes. In a way, I think that if you have the power to do it yourself, um, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Okay. It's all about making the right choices for your own health too. Mm. I guess knowing that what you want to get out of life or what you want to achieve physically is being done to the best you can. Yeah. And okay. knowing it's a long-term process rather than a quick fix. You know, I think, I guess nowadays what I've noticed that I guess in our society, everyone wants things quickly. Everyone wants to get rid of pain quickly. Everyone wants to reverse things quickly. I think the the fun of it and the journey is, I guess, the joy, right? 
being able yeah. to put the effort in yourself and know that you've done it all yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on that then, you, you mentioned strength training before, and I guess there's a lot of um, preconceived ideas about what strength training is. A lot of people think that's, you know, being a gym bunny and being super fit and, you know, very buff. Can you kind of explain what strength training is for you and um, wh- whether you want to describe it in terms of keys or, or not? Yeah, well, strength training, um, I guess, is pretty much when you're loading the body with extra weight, right, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what it is. Um, in terms of what benefits it gives other people, it varies. If your goal is to tone up, then, yeah, you go go for it. Um, as long as you have a really good diet and um, everything else in your life is in check too, um, sleeping patterns, stress level, that's all maintained. But for a lot of the population that I see here at work, a lot of people just want to maintain function. Um, some people want to prevent degeneration. Some people want to improve the quality of lives. Some people want to reduce their risk of falls. Um, some people want to feel more confident and more empowered. I think strength training is what it is. It's loading the body with weight and load, but the benefits of it varies significantly. Okay. So, uh, and again, with strength training, a lot of people would associate that with going to see a personal trainer, but you're a physiotherapist, obviously far more highly trained. So what would you say the role of the physiotherapist is and your role as a physiotherapist as opposed to um, other modalities or other physiotherapists? Well, I still consider myself a physiotherapist, whether here I'm at Kiza or not. I have worked in multiple different practices as well. And um, our job here is to really clinically diagnose what the problem is. If someone presents to me with pain or if they present to me post, um, post hip replacement or um, post any other operation, um, my job is, my duty of care is to give them my best recommendation based on my clinical assessments. Um, typically what physios do is we will assess the person altogether through a lot of questions, subjective questionnaires as well, followed by an objective assessment. And that means looking at their function, looking at how strong they are, looking at their range of motion, um, looking at how well they can walk and stand up and move. Knowing all of that, we can then identify where the deficits are and then then provide a treatment plan, whether that's a combination of manual therapy and the exercise um, or just purely exercise or one or the other. It really does depend on the person too. Um, and I feel like that's something that Kiza does really well here in isolated strength training. And that, that's the thing because you are a physiotherapist at Kieser. And, and to give people a little kind of a background of what Kieser is, I mean, when you walk in, Kieser looks like a gym, yeah. but it's it's far more than a traditional gym. Yeah. Um, I- Obviously, you're a physiotherapist who works there and, and and you will treat as a physiotherapist as well as prescribing exercises. Um, I, I guess also on the surface level, Kiza looks like a gym, right? But yeah. what we are, we are a physiotherapy slash exercise physiology slash exercise scientist guided rehabilitation center. Um, we have facilities here to enable that to happen all together and I guess the philosophy behind Kiza is that we really want to empower the person to become really independent. They're they're in control of their own physical well-being. They have the capacity to strength train. Um, But also in an environment where it is supervised, really safe, especially if you may not be comfortable training in a a, um, non-traditional gym, um, and the machines that we have here are very isolated to the area too. So if we do have pain or if there's a presentation which, you know, we do need to be clinically more mindful of, we do know then that it's just that one area that's being targeted and the deficits are being addressed rather than giving you a blasé exercise and either hoping for the best or um, knowing that there potentially could be errors in the movement to cause compensation too. And and so that's that's the key there. And I think is am I correct in saying that that the statistic is is roughly seventy percent of people who go to Keys are, are looking for rehab rehab in some form or other, or is well, it higher? Um, I'd say quite a high percentage actually. I'd Even say, higher than that, yeah. 
the thing is, I don't have any data to support. Sure. Yeah. But I think just from what I see in my clients who come in, I'll say about 90 plus percent actually want to make okay. a big change in their lives. You get the few who have acute symptoms who either need clearance to go back to work or you might have the occasional um, client who just wants the assessment. Um, but the majority of people here are looking for something that really, I guess, helps them function better, you know, improve yeah. their quality of life to improve pain. Okay. Yeah. And so safety then is really is a big yeah. factor. That's where you're in good hands when you're going to keys or as opposed to going to the gym where, you know, you can injure yourself worse in a gym without that guidance, but that's not going to happen in keys because you're not just going to be going around on machines and just doing what you want to do, are you? No, no, definitely not. So I guess the process um, works in a way that you will initially be assessed by a physiotherapist. Now, all our physiotherapists here have uh, have qualified degrees as well in purely and thoroughly assessing um, our client to see what the issue is. After the assessment, depending on the person, they may need several other physiotherapy follow-up sessions as well. This really does depend on your strength training history and the severity of pain and the intensity as well. And making sure they're just very health literate. Um, are you educated about what the problem actually is? When we say that it's safe, that's when we start guiding them through the exercise science team. They undergo then three weeks of introduction sessions where they're still supervised and guided the entire way through for three weeks. And then after that, we see that, hey, you're actually feeling really good now. I can see you've improved in terms of confidence and you're really comfortable with the setup. You can either start train independently on your own or you can continue with the once per week or twice per week guided sessions ongoingly too. Um, there are benefits from doing that in a way that you'll continuously be guided and continuously be cared for. Um, if you struggle with motivation, we're here to address that. We're here to address any barriers that you may have to the quality of health down the track through strength training. Okay. Yeah. And so you're either guided by a physiotherapist in the initial stages or you're handed off then to an exercise physiologist or an exercise scientist. So everybody who works there is, is, is a degree qualified as a minimum. Everyone's definitely qualified here. Yeah. Um, it does, you know, differ by the person. So I'm only generally speaking, but you may even need physiotherapy sessions on a once-monthly basis. But mm -hmm. we then space it out because um, we don't want our clients to be heavily dependent on us. We want to make sure that they are independent, they're in control of their physical well-being, but they're doing it safely. Yeah. And so that, that's the thing, again, looking at the equipment. I mean, at first glance, when, you, when you're not paying attention, it does look like, you know, machines in a gym. Um, there's not as many free weights as you would find in a regular gym. It is very much machine-based, but those machines are very, very high-tech and, and very specific, aren't they? Yeah, so these machines, um, they're designed in such a way that reduces your reduces the risk of compensation. Um, so, for example, do you know what a CAM system is, Mick? Uh, no, not offhand. I'm not familiar with the term. So basically the machines are designed with the CAM system in them to make sure the resistance is the same throughout the whole range of movements. So I, I saw it in, in the actual, in, in the movement, cause I, I was, you know, you, you guys were kind enough to give me a session just to, to see what it was like. And I got to try the equipment out. And I think what you're describing again is, is, is that fact that, um, the resistance is lighter on, on the, the either end of the muscle range, but gets stronger in the middle of the muscle range so that it's it's level all the way through for what the muscle is capable of doing. Whereas in the gym, you're, you're lifting the same weight at the, that the low end of the muscle range as you were in the mid range where it's actually stronger. Yeah. Is that a rough description? Uh, yeah, a rough description. Yeah, correct. I might slow it down in case people are sure. yeah, yeah. So, um, aware of what we're talking about. But basically... Um, the CAM system is a device that's put into the machine and it varies the weight depending on the lever. So, yeah, let's okay. say, for example, you have a muscle fiber. Um, let's look at you, let's think about your bicep. Yeah. And when you carry a grocery bag, you're likely going to feel strongest when your biceps are in a 90 degree angle at the elbow. Mm -hmm. okay? That's because the muscle fiber is in its optimal level of overlap. However, you will notice that. 
if you straighten the arm and hold the grocery bag from there, it's in a more lengthened state. And that's generally hard to carry a grocery bag. You don't see many people carrying grocery bags with their arms stretched out, right? Mm-hmm. That's because it's generally like in the area that gets strengthened a lot less. So knowing that muscle fibers change in length, they can lengthen, shorten, but become very at an optimal level. We have a can system in it to make sure you actually train the whole muscle fiber to the best we can optimally. Okay. What does CAM stand for? Oh, that's a good question. I'm actually not too sure, Nick. Okay. But but it basically does that. It, it's, it's a different yeah. weight depending on, on where the muscle sits. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in addition to that, um, we do have quite a few restraints in the machines as well to make sure the legs don't compensate. Yeah. Um, we'll use the back as an example here. So let's say I'm bending all the way down. You typically see about 180 degrees of range, wouldn't you, if I were to bend down? Yeah. 110 degrees, so that actually comes from the hips. Okay. You'll notice that when you actually sit down onto one of the machines, and if you're working your back muscle for this case, we actually want to isolate that by locking out the pelvis and the femur. Mm-hmm. By locking that out, you actually see there's only 60 up to 72 degrees of range in the back. So knowing that, that's why we have such an emphasis on isolated training. It's not just for the muscle fiber itself, but it's also for the actual visible movement that you can see as you do a motion. Okay. And so it's very efficient then yeah, when is. you're working that muscle. I would say we would see a lot of spinal pain clients yeah. pain, and that's why I use that as an example. Um, but but yeah, I think it's something that we do identify. People with back pain have a lot more weakness into their deeper stabilized muscle. This is called multifidus, mm-hmm. which is supporting that as well. Um, but in terms of how we do the motion, not only do we isolate it, but the pace and the cadence that we prescribe to our clients makes makes sure that we're actually targeting targeting our endurance fibers those are your type one fibers which help with stability and support rather than quick quick dynamic movements which would more likely affect your your i guess powerful muscle groups so we have are you describing there the the fast twitch and slow twitch muscle fibers and the difference between those two so the fast twitch are those dynamic ones that you know sprinters would have a lot of fast twitch and long distance so that would have a lot of s- slow twitch. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. So when we rehabilitate our back pain clients here, um, we do see a deficit in the muscle group into the multifidus muscle. Um, okay. so hence why everything is so structured. It's quite strapped in, but you do it slowly to ensure you're isolating it, but also being very efficient and you're targeting it effectively with yeah. isolation. Yeah. okay yeah um and great news for everyone who isn't too fond of exercising or are new to exercise with the style of training here we only do each exercise for two minutes and that's it okay it's nice and efficient um in a way that is still effective if you reach fatigue and that's the idea of it as well that's the principle train to fatigue over a short or Two minutes, yeah, or not. And again, you mentioned cadence there before as well. That's another really important thing. Is you know, I think it is a four. You're moving for four. You're holding for two, and then you're moving for four again, and you're keeping that steady movement. Where again, when you're in the gym, you're pumping really hard, and you know, it's more jerky movements and less of that continued slow, steady uh, workout. Correct. So if you think about. Um, the different types of muscle contractions, you have three stages. You have your concentric phase, you have your isometric phase, but you also have your eccentric phase too. Now, when you're initially doing the movements, you're initially, let's let's think about, let's visualize it. Let's think about the bicep again. It's an easy, easy joint. As I lift my elbows and bring it in, that's the concentric phase. We're doing this over four seconds, nice and slowly. So we're ensuring that you are using all the muscle fibers as you do that movement. You're holding it for one to two seconds, slowly, eccentrically, lowering it down over the same pace, over four seconds as well. 
and your eccentric phase is when the muscles are in a small lengthened position. Yeah. So we want to strengthen it in its shortened and also lengthened position the whole way through um, for two minutes. So the concentric is when it's it's uh, contracting and shortening. Um, yeah. Isometric is when it's contracting but not moving, yeah. and eccentric is when it's extending um, under under um, resistance. Yeah, spot yeah. on. Yeah, spot on. Okay, and so because you're getting all those three ranges in a steady flow, you you are. Um, improving the strength of that muscle quite significantly and what i was surprised about what i was told when i was there is that the optimum training is two sessions per week mm. so you know for for that recovery it, it's not that you haven't hit the gym five days a week and, and really pump hard and, and you know it is quite doable for most people again we are about efficiency <laughs> yeah easy or not we are very efficient um, study, this is based on the research though, they show that twice per week was the most optimum. Once is definitely not enough to, to create sustainable change. Three times, although can benefit some people, didn't show additional benefits. This is again assuming that you are training to quite a high intensity to fatigue. And I think it's also a good reminder for everyone that you, you do need to rest in between each training session as well. Your recovery matters just as much as the training session you're about to do. And so if you start to do four or five, six training sessions a week, are you starting to cause deterioration in the muscle through wear and tear? Uh, well, typically typically you do need rest and recovery for it to function optimally. Yeah. I, I would say that it's not probably not ideal to be trained the same muscle group six times a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get a lot of fatigue with the muscle and I'd be questioning if you'd actually be targeting the error properly as well. Um, the other thing is that when you have discomfort or pain to an area by muscle inhibition, you're not going to be using the muscle properly as well. So okay. If you rather you you might instead be compensating for other areas of the body. Right. So okay then keep in mind of and remember this physical health side of it it is just one aspect of it your rest recovery what you eat how much you sleep how much you drink or factors into how well your outcome is going to be too yeah of course yeah it's like if you put rubbish fuel in your car it's not going to run so well <laughs> i'll be surprised <laughs> yeah you don't put 91 in a car that needs 98 oh no no not at all no. yeah okay um so Tell me then, what would you say is the optimum recovery time then? Um, is there research on that? Uh, we recommend about 24 up to 48 hours. Okay. For 24 to 48 hours of recovery, of rest. This does vary depending on the person, but our research does support that. Um, I think it's also important to note that depending on your exercise history, that could definitely play a role into how quickly you might recover, mm-hmm. how slowly you might recover, or how well you pull up all together. And the other thing then that was brought to my attention when I was there, and it, it, it's it's quite consistent across the board with, with sports injuries anyway, but the six weeks seems to be the optimum time for, for most injuries for you to see significant improvement with two sessions per week. Would that be correct? That's a, that's a, as, a, as a general rule, yeah. not, not, of course, not in every case. Yeah, that's a really good question because I think when even when I first started doing physiotherapy, we learned that muscles and tissues, they actually change within six weeks. Okay. Well, what we know is that that's how long it takes to see some change. Right. Only some change. Yeah. Um, it could take six, even up to 12 weeks to see larger changes. But what matters the most is how, consist- is con- how consistent you are in the long run. Um, assuming you are training six for six weeks twice per week, yes, I am expecting some measurable change. However, if I'm stopping at that point because, hey, I'm actually feeling really good now, I don't need this anymore, more likely than not, the pain that you feel is likely going to recur again. Yeah, there's You're a regression. Off in strength. Yeah, okay. So all those six weeks is what you see initially, 
Some people might take 12 weeks, but more importantly, you'll be surprised. And uh, for everyone listening, I definitely challenge you to see how you're feeling within six to even 12 months of training. Yeah. Uh, I'm a firm believer that exercise should be a lifestyle change, not a quick fix. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just on, on that, with acupuncture, um, and again, studies have shown this, and it probably holds up to what you're saying about some change. They have shown that two sessions per week of acupuncture for six weeks usually shows a significant shift in, particularly in pain conditions mm. that you do notice. Sometimes it pushes out to um, 16 sessions over the course of eight weeks. Mm. Um, but, but that does provide lasting pain relief. Um, if not necessarily a change in the actual um, underlying condition itself, which I think is why I often recommend people to come do, you know, keys or training or something like that to get the underlying issue. We can use acupuncture to alleviate pain, but if the underlying issue is there and that's not addressed, of course, eventually it's going to come back. As you say, it's a lifestyle change. I think the difference is knowing that what you want, is it a short-term desire or is it a long-term like, what do you really want? Um, do you want to fix the pain so then you can go out with your friends? Is it so then you can take care of your grandchild? And if that's the case, then what does that goal give you, right? Is it social satisfaction? Is it um, independence? Is it empowerment? Whatever it is, do you want that underlying need for the rest of your life or do you want it just now and that's it? Mm-hmm. I think it's important that people sh- and I really, I advocate for people to really understand why they want things to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you uh, see the deeper meaning of what they really want to achieve, um, you will eventually see that a lifestyle change is really what you need by the end of it to make sure you can maintain this ongoingly. And that's that's what we advocate as well as as, as acupuncturists, as health practitioners. Um, you know, I, I get people coming with pain all the time and and. I'll get people pain-free or predominantly pain-free. They'll get to 80% improvement. And then they're like, oh, well, that's fine. And they stop having treatment then because that's good enough for them. And I know, well, you know, you're 80% improved now, but it is going to deteriorate because we haven't completed a treatment. Now, I can't decide that for other people. People decide that's enough for them. Well, that's their choice if they don't want to continue with treatment. Mm-hmm. So be it. And I'd be good. I totally agree with that too. Honestly, I think... Everyone has a choice and yeah. I'm not going to disrespect anyone's choice in anything that they do. But if you do have the choice, would you prioritize your physical health and prioritize yourself? Would you invest in yourself or would you carry on hoping for the best, knowing that potentially down the track you could have to start again? Yeah. What's more worth it? And I think it's also on top of that. Sorry, Nick. It's okay. I was also going to mention um, sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is the degeneration of muscle mass as we age. This yeah. is a very real thing as well. And it actually increases as we get older by the year and by the decade. After 30, I believe. Um, half percent after 30, 1% after 40 slash 50. So okay. about how quickly we're aging too. You're actually losing a lot of muscle strength by the decade, 10%. But we also lose bone density as well, don't we, over time? So we're losing both muscle mass and bone density, which is, again, where, you know, strength training does um, come into play because it improves both or at least arrest the deterioration. And if people knew that all this was preventable, why would you opt for anything else? Why would you have to wait until you couldn't, stand up anymore why do you have to wait until you get a fracture to actually make a change in your life yeah Nick, because i am heavily i'm so passionate about strength training you can probably tell yeah absolutely i really do believe that if people have a choice and you're informed about all your choices choose what's going to benefit you most down the track yeah yeah and going back to what we were saying before as practitioners i mean we're very much idealistic in what we do. You know, we, we we choose our profession because we we do believe in what we do and we want what's best for people. So when we say, look, this is how many treatments you're going to need and, you know, maybe you decide once you get to a certain level that that's good enough. But, you know, when we make a plan for you, we're not planning for good enough. We're planning for you to be up your absolute best. Mm-hmm. And what you do with that decision then is up to you. But, you know, that that's what we're thinking. We want you to be at your best at the end of it. And, that's why we do it. Prevention is better than cure. Definitely. I think a part of my role is to provide people with the education for it. 
um, you know, a compl- uh, you know, this is a real thing. I think complacency is definitely something that's really real out there. Um, yeah. No people, like family members, even personally, who know they need to be doing something, but aren't doing it until they really desperately need to. Yeah. And I really ask everyone here, if you have a choice, what would you do? Do you want to wait until you actually can't move anymore and then do it? Where it's going to be a lot harder to do, or would you rather make the choice? And well, people, person already people are educated. We didn't know that we need to look after ourselves. So, what do you think is the reason that people don't do it, and what is the motivating factor that finally gets them to do it? Is it sometimes too late? You know, the thing is, I never think it is too late to make a change. I think when people realize what they really want, like how. How, how do they really prioritize themselves, I think, is something that I believe could be a factor. I think also everyone's different. Some people might be intimidated in the gym setting, you know, which is why with our slow cadence, with, you know, the way that we guide our clients to actually get better and, you know, get stronger, um, we acknowledge that too. So we try to create a really safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, that could potentially be another reason why as well. But um, I think it would be really interesting to hear what, you know, your listeners' uh, listeners' barriers are because the more we know, the better that we can help you all out as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And that, that's one of the things, again, you know, it's about keys or gym is that you don't have a lot of people posing in front of mirrors yeah. with, with big biceps and big pecs and stuff like that. And the other thing is that's a good pick on Nick because we don't have music. We don't yeah. have music. Um, and the other, I guess, philosophy behind that is with mindfulness. So as you're taking your time, taking four seconds to move, two seconds to hold, and then repeat, you're being mindful of what you're doing. You're thinking about nothing, but just the muscle fiber you're working and the more attention you put into it. Um, yeah, it's probably the better, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah right? absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. mindful movement is, is, mindful is key. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, in such a fast-paced society as well, when you slow down, you'll really reap the benefits from doing that too. Yeah. With your physical health and mental health come hand in hand. And yeah, we're often the one over the other. Yeah. We're often consciously disconnected from our physiology, from our body. We don't we don't we don't notice our bodies until something goes wrong mm. and, and brings our attention to it. So yeah, being consciously aware of our bodies when it's not in pain, when it's actually feeling good, when we're going through movement is is really important to our well-being because it helps us to ground in the here and now. Hundred percent agree with that. Sometimes I feel, isn't it such a blessing to move? Isn't it such yeah. a blessing to be able to do this? I think rather than see exercise as a chore or something you have to do, like we are privileged to exercise. Like it's such a gift. Imagine yeah. you have lost all of that. You know, do you want to lose it before really appreciate it then? Yeah. Yeah. One of the osteopaths I work with says motion is lotion. A thousand percent agree with that yeah. too. <laughs> a thousand percent. I think um, the other, oh, there was a quote. What was it again? Um, I guess if you think about brushing your teeth, right? You brush your teeth knowing that you need to do it twice per day. Yeah. What's the difference between brushing teeth twice per day because you know it's great for you than exercising twice per week? Yeah. Right? When you put them to perspective, no one has fun brushing their teeth. Unless you do, Mick, unless you really have very much to do. <laughs> Not one of my favorite activities. I mean, I don't mind it, but. Yeah. So I was thinking if that could be better for some people, when you put that into perspective, you don't have to love what you're doing at the moment, but know that you will feel so great and so empowered knowing that you're taking care of your body as best you can. Yeah. But you can start to enjoy it once you see the benefits and once you see how it really is working for you, you do start to enjoy doing that. You'd start to enjoy you know, strength training and lifting weights and you think, God, I feel so good after this. And of course you have the the neurological effects of that. You know, you have the, the release of, of neurotransmitters, your your serotonin, your endorphins, your dopamine, you know, the things that just make you feel good, lift your mood. Definitely. You actually spoke words out of my mouth. You know what? I'll take it back. I think strength training is more fun than brushing your teeth. <laughs> it's a lot more fun than brushing your teeth. I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. of all that, I think it's, you know, um, 
all these hormones that come out, like your happy hormones. Yeah. It, it, as I said before, physical well-being and mental health, they come hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And even if you do, then one will help the other. So you can't go wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, going back then to the recovery part, the, the, the rehab period. Again, this is a graph that I was shown when I was at Kieser is, is that recovery period where you have an improvement initially and then you have a drop off and then you have a significant improvement again. And then it starts to kind of level out over the course of the year or so. And it's, it's kind of it's it's a fairly kind of shallow rise in the curve but initially there is that big shift and again that's something that i've been showing people in clinic and, and something i've seen for many many years as a practitioner as, as a clinician is that you do initially get people and after the first session people are like oh my god i can't believe how much better i feel uh, mm-hmm. and then after a couple of sessions there's a drop off i'm like oh i don't feel as good anymore and i'm like don't worry in a couple of sessions you'll feel better again but then that's the point where a lot of people decide they've had enough because they think they're not getting any better because that curve starts to become quite um, leveled out and, and is a slow gain over a long period of time. I would say don't be disheartened. Fluctuation, fluctuations are completely normal. It's actually part of the process. Mm-hmm. I remember your strength gains will increase quite rapidly at the very beginning. It is true that it does plateau later the, you know, the more experienced you are as well, but you're actually still improving your strength. Every session you put in is an investment in yourself. You're still challenging your muscle fibers. You're still working to high intensity. And you're don't forget you're actually preventing muscle wastage as well. So you actually probably you might actually be improving even more strength, but because your natural degeneration muscle mass as yeah. you know, that kicks in too. I think people forget that sometimes. So rather than having a negative effect on your muscles, you're having a positive effect on your muscles. So it's 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 a double effect, really. Yeah, yeah. Because without it, you're not standing still. You're going backwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're maintaining it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Right? It depends on what um what level you're at. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um. So just on that, then, what do you think makes um keys are unique? Mm, I think the philosophy behind it. I think yeah. I think so many ways for our clients, as I mentioned before, the philosophy is through empowerment, through strength training. Yeah. We, all of our clients to be independent. We want everyone to have a great quality of life down the track. It's supervised by professionally qualified physiotherapists, exercise physiologists, and exercise scientists. It's a safe environment especially for newcomers, but also even if you are experienced and just want a more isolated approach, we cater for that as well. And the mindfulness side of it, you know, being very mindful and being in an environment that really helps you support that as you exercise, I think is such a beautiful thing. Is there a specific Kieser philosophy or an elevator pitch that Kieser would have? Stay strong, be strong is the okay. motto. <laughs> <laughs> if anything that's a good question i probably should have prepared that before coming on nick <laughs> but, <laughs> that's okay um, i'll put you on the spot with that one um, values yeah we all we believe in outcomes mm-hmm. um, we believe in growing our team members and we believe in be, you know being very reliable staff members for ourselves but also for our clients as well we have three main values which i've mentioned just before which we adhere by strongly yeah very strongly. okay in terms of the philosophy behind it, I think those are the things that make us more unique. If you think about a typical gym setting, is it necessarily always supervised? Is it necessarily always governed by physiotherapists who are clinically trained? Um, do they have good awareness about the medical conditions you might be that might be underlying? Um, does it have an isolated approach like we do? Yeah. Those are the things that make us unique. It is our philosophy. And I think the biggest thing that that strikes me going into a Kieser gym is, is that it does feel clinical. It does feel safe. It feels like you're in the hands of healthcare professionals mm-hmm. um, who, you know, first and foremost, you, you're using the Hippocratic Oath, you know, do no harm. 
you know so there's no, there's no point having people come in to work out and and you know they're, they're lifting weights that just aren't right for them and there's no supervision and they're injuring themselves that's not going to happen in a keezer gym i mean I'd, I'd say it's very very rare that anyone ever gets injured doing it because it does isolate and they are using a program that's being prescribed um and i i one thing sorry i meant to ask this before when, and, and I, I lost track of it um Using the app and then you talk about increasing the, the resistance over time, it does, it increases 5%. One, once you're hitting that two minutes of a workout and, and it's not it's not challenging anymore, it, it does increase that 5% for you, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So basically, um, the principle of training is to fatigue. So yeah. whether or not you're looking at the clock as you exercise, you still want to reach a point where you are fatiguing, which means you can't do another extra repetition anymore. Obviously, you would have had to climatize to do that. But once you reach that point, if you see that, hey, the clock is telling you that you've done this for more than two minutes, at that time, you probably bring up the weight. Okay? You are capable of challenging, yeah. challenging yourself. Okay. And that extra load that you're putting on for your next time doing it is your way of, I guess, becoming stronger. Yeah. You can tolerate a lot more and your capacity to hold that weight or move that weight is greater than the last time you did it. Yeah. Okay. If, if however, you're struggling and you're fatiguing too early in 90 seconds, we do recommend that we bring down the weight. Even though you've reached fatigue, we want to make sure you're moving um, safely. Yeah. So yeah. you're working with the endurance fibers that we spoke about before. Um, so the 90 seconds up to 120 seconds range is optimal for what we want to achieve in terms of rehabilitation okay and then usually as you say the first few weeks you're, you're under supervision anyway and um, before you're kind of allowed off on your own and you're running with the app then that, that kind of guides you through your sessions is that correct yeah correct yeah. yeah so my question then and i don't know if you can answer this again i'm putting you on the spot with this one okay. what is the difference between an exercise physiologist and an exercise scientist Okay, so easy question there, Mick. Okay, good. <laughs> so giving qualifications for one. Yeah. So um, do you know the difference between a physiotherapist and an excess physiologist, Mick? Uh, well, physiotherapists, as far as I understand, as well as doing rehabilitation exercise, will do hands-on um, treatment and prescribe exercises, which is the exercise physiologist does, but would do more hands-on um, assessment of injury and uh, treatment. Yeah, in a way. So we see a lot more... Um, pain, pain type of clients, whereas yeah. physiologists they manage chronic conditions. So let's say you have hypertension, yeah. and say you have osteopenia, osteoporosis. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have um, weight loss goals. Yeah. Let's say you have a history of cancer. Let's say you also have fibromyalgia. All these chronic conditions which need longer term care, we send off to the excess physiologist. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, basically, physios will, physios will typically have um, a bit more of emphasis on musculoskeletal pain. Yeah. We know do recover within that time frame, six to twelve weeks. But the excess physiologists, they will know that our clients would need ongoing care and more supervised care. Okay. Um, the exercise scientists they have a different degree. It's a, it's a health science um, bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. They're not clinically qualified to assess and diagnose, but having their background in exercise and training, um, they can safely guide our clients to exercise safely. Okay. So um, the assessing and diagnosing and our clinical treatment planning, leave that to the physios and the exercise physiologists. The exercise science team, they take it from there in long term. Right. Okay. Right. So are they dealing with people who are probably overcome the initial rehab stage and are ready to, to really build strength yeah. um, more holistically, I guess? Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, if you say you can graduate from physiotherapy, right? <laughs> okay. Um, to the exercises um, because, like, they're, they're fantastic and making sure the exercise you're doing are still suitable for you. Okay. So let's say um, you wanted to look at technique. They're on the gun. Like they're, yeah, okay. they're looking at technique really carefully. Um, let's say motivation is your barrier. Okay? They will know how to motivate you in a way that suits your levels. 
if you want to work to absolute fatigue, they can use intensification methods to make sure you're still training, but even harder. Yeah. Um, in that two minute time frame. Right? Okay. Down or pushing harder or increasing the weight. They're the glad you do it. So they can help you get really efficient with that training then. And so once you've, let's say you've, you've got an injury, you've gone through your rehab, you're feeling a whole lot better. Um, you like the setup of Kiza, you want to keep working out there. Um, that's when you work with exercise scientists and you can just do, you know, just maintenance or, or, or health building uh, strength training at that stage, really, and really push yourself. Is that yeah, correct? Definitely, 100%. Yeah. And it's a long-term program. Like, as we mentioned before, um, you'll get better outcomes the longer you start training because you'll see those benefits down the track. Like yeah. just a few decades, you'll see the difference. Okay. So do people have, uh, say, long-term keys or memberships then where they just maintain health? Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. the goal. That's the idea. Okay. After they finish um, their initial physiotherapy or exercise physiology appointments, if they do require it, we have membership options here, and that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so your membership will allow you to continue to train here under our guidance um, ongoingly. And, okay. Yeah. And, and tell me, is are there, are there specific injuries or conditions that you think either is good for? Is it just good for most conditions or is there specific things that you see a lot of? I personally see a lot of muscle skeletal conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, the highest uh, condition that we see is back pain. Um, yeah. back pain specifically so that's really lumbar pain around the multifidus area is the, the most common yeah and going back to the machine i spoke to you about earlier yeah how isolated it is and i've been on that machine it's great yeah i actually can't find the machine anywhere else i was showing you to go to any other gym i don't think you can find it I I can't imagine they would be willing to pay you that money for it (laughs) because it's got to be an expensive machine Oh, I think I think so as well. Oh, yeah. I didn't buy the machine, Nick, so I don't know how much it costs, but I didn't I'm imagine it'd be quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> it'd be a lot, yeah. Yeah. It's a big investment setting with keys or gym. Yeah. Um, but knowing how successful a lumbar extensive machine has been, we also have a survival extensive machine here too. So okay. if people have chronic neck pain, if they have migraines, headaches, that's something we can also start treating too. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting you say because we've actually conducted a lot of studies about the effectiveness of our machines. Yeah, we've recently conducted studies on the on the spinal program, so back pain clients, but also hip and knee arthritic pains as well. Mm-hmm. I'll have to send you a link of the actual data, um, but a lot of our clients actually avoided surgery from from our programs. That's pretty awesome. Both the hips and the knees and back. I'll, I'll link that to the uh, podcast notes then. Yeah, all that'd be great. Them, yeah, all of them were candidates for surgery. Um, and that was a requirement to enter the study itself. Um, but there was quite a high percentage that did 73%, I believe. I have to double check with that. Um, and didn't need surgery by the end of it. That's very high. A reduction, a 50% reduction in pain as well and improved function. Wow. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah, everything we do here is evidence-based. Um, we are, you know, qualified and trained as well. And everything that we practice is backed up by the evidence. So we can definitely support that. Yeah, because his case is very much grounded in exercise science, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, I think on that note, that's been awesome. Right. No, yeah. thank you so much for having me on me. It's been such fun. Yeah, I mean, no worries, Angela. So just for the record, you, you are in Keyser in Essendon in Melbourne. Um, yourself specifically, but are our keys or gyms um, all around Melbourne, all around Australia? Or is it a global thing? It actually originated in Switzerland. Okay. Right. In the 1980s. Um, so there's heaps in Europe. In Australia, I'd say at least 20, and it's growing. Uh, we have about 20 or so clinics in Melbourne. Yeah. Three in Sydney. Okay one or two in Queensland and Hobart's opening up really soon as well. So oh, that's we're lucky good. we're in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, we have a great choice. Yeah, and it's such an exciting thing that we are expanding because then we can just reach out to more people who really need it too. Yeah, yeah, it is a very unique um, exercise experience, Keezer. I highly recommend it to anybody, particularly if you have uh, an injury or you need some form of rehab. But again, as you say, with exercise physiologists, you're treating a whole lot of underlying conditions as well. So it really is the scope to treat a lot of things. 
Definitely. And I think going back to our growth too, it's growing because it works. Yeah. Yeah. We see, I see personally that it works. Um, and, you know, all our clients are staying with us because they can see it works. That's the thing. It works. Yeah. Thank you so much, Angela. I appreciate it. No, thanks. Thanks, Nick. The hour went so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Dr. Angela Ha from Keezer. And I hope you enjoyed listening to Angela. I found it very insightful. The importance of strength training, which is something people, as I said at the beginning, often associate with going to certain kind of gyms with certain kind of clientele who are very buff, very fit. And you'll often see people posing and looking in the mirror and checking out their big pecs. Keezer is not that kind of gym. There's nothing wrong with that kind of gym. If that's what you want, great. Enjoy it. Pump iron. Really get into it. It's still really good for your health and well-being to do that. But if you have injuries, if you have any sort of dysfunction, if you're in advancing years, that may not be quite the kind of gym that you're looking for. You want something that's more rehabilitation. Well, that's where Kiza comes in. So some of the key points for me, the first one is how twice a week is the optimal time to work out. And this is based on the scientific research. So you don't have to be pushing yourself really hard, getting what we call delayed onset muscle soreness, the DOMS that causes pain for two, three days after you've worked out. You know, you want to have that recovery period, 24 to 48 hours is the optimum before you do the exercise again. And with that strength training, the extra day, if you do a third day, it doesn't necessarily give you any extra huge gains. So those two days are perfect. So it makes keys are so accessible for people. As Angela said, psychopenia, how there is muscle degeneration as we grow older. Once you hit 30, there's some psychopenia. Once you hit 40, it advances again. It continues advancing as you get older. Of course, there's also osteopenia where the bone density decreases as well as you get older. And these are things that can be arrested through doing strength training. So not only are you stopping that from happening, you're building the strength. So rather than having negative muscle and bone growth as you grow older, you have positive growth in those areas to maintain your physical, structural, and of course, mental and emotional well-being because exercise makes you feel good. So Keezer is available, as Angela said, there's about 20 Keezer gyms around Melbourne. There's some in, in Sydney. Keezer originated in Austria. So it is a global thing. I don't know if it's in every country, but if you are interested in checking Keezer out, you can do so on the Keezer website uh, in Australia. It's keezer.com.au and you can find a gym near you where you can go for an assessment with a physiotherapist. And you can also book now and save 50% on your initial physiotherapy assessment. So as the other key point for me is safety. You are always safe at a Keezer gym. You're in the hands of physiotherapists, exercise physiologists, exercise scientists. Everybody is minimum degree qualified. Their job is to protect you first and foremost and to help you in your rehabilitation. So it is entirely safe environment. Okay. As for me, well, this will probably be our last podcast before Christmas and we'll be back in the new year with some more great guests. Please like, share and follow the More Than Wellness podcast, whether you're following us on, on Facebook, on Instagram, we're also on Twitter. You'll find us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Podbean and really anywhere that you find your podcast. Please let people know about it and love to get your feedback if you want to make any comments about the show anything you have to say. Love to hear that. Okay. Take care and have a great Christmas. Thank you. Bye-bye.